Thank you for joining us for episode 429 of Live Happy Now. We know that loneliness is a huge problem in today's world, and this week we're learning what we can do about it. I'm your host, Paula Phelps, and this week I'm sitting down with Dr. Randall Hansen, an author, educator, and advocate for deep healing. His mission is to help others understand and heal from the trauma in their lives, and in the wake of the pandemic, he is one of many thought leaders who are concerned about what loneliness and isolation are doing to us. He's here to talk about the dangers of loneliness, what's causing it, and most importantly, what we can do about it. Let's have a listen. Randall, thank you so much for joining me on Live Happy Now. Paul, I'm very excited to join you on a discuss a very important topic today. Yeah, you know, you and I are having this conversation because of something that you wrote about loneliness. It was a, I follow you on LinkedIn and you wrote a post that really spoke to me because there's so much information coming out right now about how deadly isolation and loneliness are. And it's just continuing to grow. It's like, even though we know what a problem it is, it's getting worse. So, so I guess to start, tell me why it was so important for you to write that post, because you really took a deep dive into what it's doing to us. I've just seen too many people affected by it. I, I have a a good friend who's a care caretaker for a disabled brother. And pre-COVID, he was already sort of self-isolating, as often caregivers do, because they have to spend their whole time with the, the person they're taking care of. But then with the pandemic, he just became further isolated. And I could actually see, I mean, not see, but I could... <laughs> I could see his, you know, his brain changing in the sense of he was just becoming more pessimistic. You know, he's a single guy. He wants to have a family. And so he just becoming more and more isolated. And his attitude has just become more and more pessimistic because we've actually seen, and this is part of my deep dive, but we've actually seen scientific studies that show that loneliness changes the format of our brain. So it actually is almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy if we don't make changes that the loneliness will actually almost keep feeding itself and making it a downward spiral that that will make it even harder for us to get out of. So is it similar to depression where once you have depression, you can't just like snap yourself out of it and it keeps getting worse? As you said, a downward spiral. Does loneliness make you continue to self-isolate? Bizarrely, it does. I mean, that's the crazy part of this thing. And we have mechanisms that we think are designed to increase or decrease the loneliness, increase our connectivity, like social media. But we're finding out now that social media is actually more isolating because we're, we have this comparison syndrome where we're looking and, oh, look at all our friends are doing this exciting lives are leading and I'm stuck at home with by myself. And so that becomes this thing. And and then also, or, oh, look at my friend has 10,000 likes and I have one like. I'm not loved. I'm not appreciated. So social media, which is supposed to bring us together, is actually more isolating. So yeah, it can become a self-fulfilling prophecy that way. And I want to ask you about social media because you can create some guidelines at some point to make it a healthy experience for you sure. by like limiting your time and and maybe monitoring who you're following and what you're doing. What are some of the ways that you recommend that we can use social media to 
to cure our loneliness and not make it worse. Because I'll, I'll say I've got a relative who's, she's in her 80s, she's in a nursing home, and I don't know what she would do without social media. And so she uses it in that right way. She stays in touch with all her nieces and nephews. Tell us how to do this the right way. Yeah, I think especially for, I mean, again, that's what social media is all about for the isolated people, for rural people that are disconnected from friends and family, that this is a chance. Just like, you know, FaceTime or Zooms or something like that, the same thing, we can connect face to face. But, and so that is a definitely a positive thing. But it hit me last year. I was just having this quiet meditation and it really hit me this strong, especially about face, Facebook, which a friend of mine calls fake book. Yeah. And I'll come back <laughs> to that in a second. But it just came back to me that so much of this doesn't matter. So my rules would be, as long as you're not putting all your focus, emphasis on social media, that's number one, definitely limit the amount of time you spend and look at what your goal is. If your goal is something like this, this grandmother that's trying, just wanting to connect with friends and family, maybe share the memories. I have some older relatives that are now going through their their photo albums and posting, you know, old black and whites. And it's, that's awesome. That's, yeah, that's the part that's the good part of social media. But as soon as we start comparing ourselves to others, if we're looking at social media just to look at others and, and keep in contact, that's great. But if we're posting, hoping to get, you know, a hundred likes or a thousand likes or 10,000 likes, and we're going to be probably setting ourselves up for disappointment. So I think the key is just expectations. What's our intention with social media? And uh, I think each social media is different. Like like Facebook, I think is is perfect for family and friends. Mm -hmm. LinkedIn, as you and I have talked about, is wonderful for professional connections. And I love that aspect. You and I wouldn't be talking otherwise. Exactly. Yeah. And then Instagram, I use Instagram just for photos. I just love photos, and so that's a different a different vibe in all of them. So how important could it be then to set an intention each time you're going to use social media? Would that be a good way to start? building a, a healthier practice with it. Yes, I think that's an extremely good idea. And, you know, you can you can also be honest with yourself and just try to monitor it. But of course, you can also get an app if you're doing it on, on your phone and, and watch your screen time that way. The honor system says, oh, I'll only be on social media for an hour. But then, you know, you have 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there. Right. And all of a sudden, it's, you know, five hours, not one hour. So you know, having some device that maybe tracks you, at least in the beginning, might be another way to kind of keep yourself a little more honest with it, too, if your intention is just to keep to maybe an hour a day or or something like that. Right, right. And so we know that beyond social media, there's other things attributing to our loneliness. Um, but first, I do want to, you brought up a great point, and that is the difference between loneliness and solitude. Yeah. And that I, can you tell us about that distinction? Because I think this is a really important thing to think about. Yeah, I, I think solitude can be so life enhancing, so soul searching. And so that's not, you know, if we seek out solitude, and I'll, I'll give you an example. So I've gone on a healing journey. My best modality for healing is nature. I, and still today it is. I, I, but I live, you can see behind me, I live on this very gratefully on a little hilltop above a lake. And so I walk this property almost daily. But anyway, so, but my healing journey in nature, I was alone for about five years in nature, 
just kind of rediscovering myself and trying to get rid of my ego and, and deal with my traumas. And I was alone in that process, but I was also in a community of other forest owners, and we talked about how to manage our forest and best techniques and things like that. So I was still in a, I was in solitude for my healing journey, but I had a community around me that supported me. So the difference is loneliness is a sense of isolation that the social pain that that people don't care about you and you're not connected and, and you're alone, where solitude is seeking that solitude for some kind of purpose, typically self-enhancing educational learning process. So that's that's the big difference. They can seem similar, but quite different purposes involved. Right. And and you can be lonely even when you're in a sea of people. Yes. You yes. know, it so, doesn't Yeah. So so my other perfect example is when I was a freshman in college, I picked the wrong college. And I was completely lonely, isolated in a sea of thousands of other people around me. All these students were around me, but I wasn't connected to any of them. So th yeah, that's so that's the perfect example. We could we could live in a city with a million people and still be lonely. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really important then to have community and you talk about that. So explain to us why community is so important. And especially now, it's even more so in this post-pandemic world. Can you can you address that for me, please? Yeah. Well, I think let me just address the pandemic for a second too, because I you know, I think my wife and I, partner and I, we talk about how we are uh the 1% in the middle, and it seemed like everyone else is on the extremes. And so I think the pandemic, before the pandemic, we had some of that. But I think since the pandemic, we've had this splintering so much so that almost any issue seems to be political if you want to make it so. And so to me, it's so important to find community that aligns with your values. And, and I think in today's world, it's a lot harder because a subject like dogs, well, there's no political <laughs> aspect of dogs, but someone's going to find something like the dog food you give your dog, your whatever. I mean, it's just crazy. right. There's a, there's always going to be a way to find yeah. a fault. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think it's, it's community because it's so splintered these days. It's so important to find people that support you your values you don't have to support all your values or be 100 percent aligned with you it's pretty rare to find someone like that but you know as long as they're maybe 75 percent, because you want these people to be able to agree with you uplift you and you be able to uplift them at the same time because again communities is a back and forth street and it's also important to be able to realize that they can have different views yes. and i don't need to jettison them from my lives i've seen people yeah really oh. cut off some longstanding friendships because of political or social beliefs. And it's to me very sad because you're throwing out, talk about throwing out the baby with a bathwater. You know, it's, there's so much more than what your, say your political beliefs are. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a friend who is completely opposite me about the pandemic and all things about it. And I could have easily written him off. He could have written me off. But there are so many other aspects of that relationship, of that friendship that don't deal with that one little subject. 
And mm-hmm. I know the pandemic is a massive one, but it doesn't have to be. So yeah, I, I, I work around, you know, find work around for those things because we're all multifaceted. We're not, I can't imagine one person that's all about just one topic and that's it. So yeah, so save some of those friendships. That, that's one of my things is, is if you're lonely and you're feeling like you're isolated and you want to move ahead, you know, maybe go back and look at some of those friendships that maybe got dissolved in the last three or four years and see if there's a way to resolve them. I think we have a fear of rejection. And I can tell you when I've reached out to a few people that I kind of, you know, rashly did something wrong and I apologized or I just, depending if I did it wrong or if I just reached out to them and said, hey, can we, you know, I really miss you. Can we kind of, you know, reconnect to what's going on? And all those were positive. I didn't have one bad experience with that. So one didn't take off back to the friendship, but that was fine. I didn't say, you know, didn't yell at me or anything like that. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I've kind of moved on. But yeah, so, I mean, I think many people have have gone through their contact list and said, oh, no, you know, they voted for that person. Oop, nope. Or they did that during the pandemic. Nope, gone. But no, we're, we have so many other qualities to us. That's it. Yeah. And if you can really start looking for what you have in common with people, I, you know, I'm moved out to an area where I will have less in common with the people than I did when I lived in downtown Nashville. And, and that's been very key for me is it's not focusing on the differences is looking at where do we find this common ground? Now, frankly, we have a swimming pool. So for them, that's our common ground. They're <laughs> like, you have a pool. I like to swim. <laughs> no, but you do need to look for things that places where you can connect instead of being so quick to say like, nope, that's not, they're not right for me. Yeah. Yeah. I just think it's so many opportunities and it's a good way to actually grow because if you lean into some of that discomfort, like, Oh, I don't know if I like that their beliefs or their whatever, but if you lean into a little bit, you know, you might even learn something. Oh, I didn't know about that. And so it can be a positive, even, even if you don't become friends with those, those people, it can still become a positive learning experience to kind of grow your own knowledge about other things. Yeah. And it's a good opportunity to find out why someone thinks that way. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that exactly. will blow your mind sometimes. Yeah. Many times it will. <laughs> because, again, you know, the four agreements, a great book, really short, tiny book, but one of them is don't make assumptions, but we do it all the time. Right. You know, that yeah. person's wearing a green towel. Oh, they must be Irish or whatever, you know, whatever. But it, it who knows? They just like green. So yeah, we, we need to get beyond our assumptions sometimes. So we do have this loneliness epidemic. What is really like the cause of the loneliness epidemic? Is it just so many different things or what's, what's going on? Ah. <sighs> You know, that's really a good question. I've seen so many studies on impact of loneliness. And, you know, we even have the Surgeon General released a report about a month or two ago about how dangerous loneliness is and more dangerous than almost a pack a day cigarette smoking issue. And we know how dangerous cigarette smoking is. And so it leads to stress eating, further isolation, depression self-medicating, all these things. I think it's just a tipping point. And I was just having a discussion with a with a psychologist this morning in Ireland, of all places. And she was saying that, you know, we have just gotten to this point where we are so, it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy that 
technology is supposed to make things easier. It's isolated us. The pandemic, illness and health sometimes brings us together. But because, again, for whatever reasons, the reaction to the pandemic and all that became so political. And then from the pandemic, we also had the self-isolate. Mm-hmm. And, and I have a I have a brother who's still self isolating because he has just gotten into that again that that it's almost like a I don't again I don't want to label this like a, a in, in terms of a medical diagnosis but it's almost a little bit like OCD where OCD is sort of this loop that you can't get out of and so it's a spot loop you, until your brain fixes it. And, and I think loneliness, it, it, we're seeing loneliness is almost something similar to that. And so for my brother who, you know, yes, you know, you can travel now, he wanted to travel to Europe and he couldn't because of the pandemic and the, and the travel restrictions. And yet he still hasn't left his house. And so I think there's a, there's, there is a self-fulfilling aspect of it. And then the work from home is the other component to this. Maybe we all didn't have the greatest co-workers, but there's a certain human connection we have when we go into work and we meet people. Hey, how are you? How was your weekend? Catch the big game, whatever. There's some connection going on there. And now, I mean, we still have that with Zooms and things like that, but it's just not the same where you right. don't have that, there's nothing that like person sitting face, next yeah. to you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it so, changes you. So what can we do if we're out and we're in the world and we're feeling good about things, what can we do to help people who are suffering from loneliness? Uh, because it's, as you said, they, it's it becomes this vicious circle for them. Yeah. So it's not something that seems like they can pull themselves out of. So how yeah. do we help people who are going through this? I love it. I love I, two, two aspects. Number one, of course, first, I love that those of us who are doing better should always be trying to help others. So I love that. Thank you for that, Paul. That's a beautiful message. I think the key is awareness, you know, look around to the people in your circle. Who haven't you talked to? Who haven't you seen in a while? And who has suddenly dropped off? And just just reaching out is that, I think, a major, major first step. And just saying, hey, I noticed I haven't talked, I haven't seen you in a while. I haven't texted you or I haven't seen you on social media, whatever, you know, whatever your connection with that person is. And then, you know, maybe the next step is there there are so many ways to meet new people. So the next step after that would be maybe invite them along to something you're going to, uh, a book club or a social event, a conference, a club that you belong to. You know, there there are so many uh, nonprofit you volunteer with. I mean, there are so many ways to get involved, but I, I think inviting them along rather than telling them. I mean, it's, it's easy to say, hey, you know, there's a book club over at the library. You know, good <laughs> Go luck. check it out. <laughs> yeah, go check it out versus, hey, you know, I'm going to this book club next week and the book is fantastic. You don't have to read it all. You don't have to read any of it. It's just a chance to, you know, talk about the book and meet other people and then, you know, kind of forcibly bring them along. And so I think those are two things. One, checking in. And then two, instead of just recommending, oh, hey, why don't you go to the gym? Why don't you do this? You say, hey, I'm doing this. Why don't you, can you come along or invite them along with you? I think and I think for that, it's important to keep asking because yeah. the chances are the first time, yeah. first three times, they're going to say no. Yeah. But there's also something that happens within that person when they are being invited. Like yes. you're, someone's extending a hand, mm-hmm. someone wants to spend time with you. And yeah. it's like, that's, that's, I think, where you can really start helping them 
and and not just giving up, not being like, well, they always say no, just right. continue to let them know that you're interested in their companionship. Yes, 100%, because almost, especially depending on how long they've been in this sort of loneliness cycle, their reaction is almost always going to be no, because, oh, I don't want to be a burden. No, no, you, you're an extrovert. You, you know, I know you're going to have more fun than I am. I'm going to be a drag, blah, blah, blah. But you're right. Every single time you ask them, it's a little change going on mm-hmm. up in there. So it might be the fifth time or the 10th time. But yes, I love that. Thank you. Keep asking because it will it will flip that switch. It might take a little while, but it will. You just got to be patient yeah. and persistent. Yeah. There's so many pieces to this. I appreciate you sitting down and talking about this. We could do an entire series on loneliness and, and still just be scratching the surface. Yeah. I am going to tell our listeners on the landing page, they'll be able to find the the column that you wrote about this. Thank and that you. also gives incredible tips for stepping out of loneliness. So I really hope that people do listen and whether they're dealing with loneliness themselves and need some tips on how to take these baby steps, things like adopt a pet. That was a great one. I mean, you gave just so many wonderful yeah. tips that are pretty easy to do and, you know, getting out in nature and, and then also what we can do as people who are watching someone go through that. There's a lot of ways that we can reach out and help. So yeah. I, I truly appreciate you sitting down with me today and, and talking about it. Well, thank you, Paul. I, I just so appreciate you reaching out to me and giving me this platform to talk about it because it is a very important subject. So thank you. That was Dr. Randall Hansen talking about loneliness. If you'd like to learn more about what he has to say about loneliness, check out his books or follow him on social media. Just visit us at livehappy.com and click on the podcast tab. That is all we have time for today. We'll meet you back here again next week for an all new episode. And until then, this is Paula Phelps reminding you to make every day a happy one.